Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. Hello. Welcome to the Music Therapy Show. I am J.S. Lindstrom, the host and producer of this show. And today is Friday, January 30th, 2015. And today we have a special edition that I'm hoping will become a series at least once a month. I where It's a mommy group day. So I have a guest in my home, so I don't have to talk to myself today. Amy Zuniga is the leader of the Mommy Mixer at Texas Health Presbyterian, which is the hospital where I gave birth to my son, and they also have this these free groups for the community. You don't even have to have given birth at Texas Health Presbyterian to take advantage of the Mommy Mixers. And she's agreed to come and help co-host these mommy groups today. So I'm going to introduce... Amy, and the, or let Amy introduce herself, and then we'll talk more about our topic. If you would like to call in to ask questions, call in 646-652-2850, and uh, we would be happy to talk to you. So, Amy, thank you for coming on the show today. You're very welcome. Thanks for having me. So give us a little bit of, a, of your background and where you're from and what, what you do and um, how the Mommy Mixer started. Well, like you said, I work at Dallas uh, Presbyterian, Texas Health Presbyterian, doing the mommy mixers. Um, we started last May back up with them. I know in the past there was a mommy group there, but it hasn't been there for a while before we started back in May. We have the uh, newborn, new moms groups on Mondays from 10 to 11.30. And then on Wednesdays, we have the older baby toddler group that you come to uh, from 10 to 11.30. Uh, my background, I've been working with families and kids for about 15 years now. Um, I have an undergraduate degree in child development and a master's in counseling. Um, I've worked with families in a lot of different ways. Um, and then about four and a half years ago, I became a mom for the first time. And I found it to be a little more than I had bargained for. And so I got really interested in working with new parents. And so that's how I ended up doing what I do now. Fantastic. And so... I became a new mom, as I've said before, back in August of 2013, and uh, I found the whole experience to be extremely overwhelming. And even though I'm a therapist and I know about child development and I work with children, so I know those sorts of things, I did not know the 24-7 care of a child. And I feel like I'm a pretty intelligent person but uh, I did not find any of this parenting stuff to become very natural to me. So um, when Kyle was eight months old was when the mommy mixers came about, and I was so thrilled. They saved my life because I didn't have any mommy friends either. So I didn't really have anybody to talk to, to find anything out about, and so this these groups really saved my life. And I know that there's a lot of people out there in the world that don't have the this kind of support or these kinds of groups in their area, so I thought this would be a nice way to provide at least a little bit of support for you. So you can call in with questions, 646-652-2850, or you can contact me at heartbeatmusictherapy.net and... Um, 
share your comments or ask questions there. And when we do these episodes every month, we will um, address them. So um, I'll start off. So what we do when we get to mommy group is, uh, especially in the, the infant one, we would sit around and just kind of tell our stories and say, and then each week we would catch up and say what happened each week and ask questions. And Amy does a nice job of answering those questions um for us and giving support for that. And in the toddler group, we it's it was nice to have that toddler group because my kid and a couple of others of the of the moms uh, that had the older children, our babies were crawling all over the infants and it was really stressful trying to catch them and make sure they didn't hurt the babies and all of that. And so with toddler group, we just let our kids run around and play with the toys and, and the adults sit most of the time and can talk and it's a nice safe open well it's actually a contained open space that we don't have to chase after them or worry that they're going to hurt themselves so it's it's been really nice to have and to have that support of other moms and a place where we can ask questions um Today, I wanted to share a story that happened today. So if you heard the show last week, it, that last week's show was geared towards music therapists. It was about the journal articles that in one of the publications for music therapy. But um, normally at this time, my kid is supposed to be napping, and that's why I scheduled the show at this time. Last week, he did not nap at all. And it was kind of a... I'm sure the show came off fine, but it felt like a disaster on my end because uh, I was extremely distracted by my child. And it, if you listen closely at the end of the show, towards the end, the last 10 minutes or so, you'll hear me say, oh, my gosh, I dropped my kid, and you'll hear him screaming. And then I muted the phone, and my co-host took over the conversation. So you can go back and listen to that one if you'd like. Um so this week, I, I have been working on ways to try to get nap time to happen again. And I figured out that if I give him lots of activity in the morning, then he's ready for a nap about noon when I need him to go down. And so this morning, I had a play date with a music therapy mama that was nearby, and it was fantastic. And my kid played on the park, and... He was more independent going up and down the slide, and I was so proud of him. And then he had this fall from the slide that was more traumatic for the mommy than it was for the baby. And then he uh, ate or didn't eat. He put some mushrooms in his mouth. So I was worried about that. I mean, I wasn't overly worried, but I thought I'd call poison control just, just to make sure. So I put him down for his nap, and and he was fine and tired and ready to sleep. And then I called Poison Control and they said, just keep an eye on him for the next hour and there's probably nothing wrong. And just, you know, monitor and if anything happens, call us back. And so he was coughing a little bit. So I thought, okay, I'll go look and make sure that it was just coughing and not anything worse than coughing. And it wasn't anything worse than coughing. But he saw me and was ready to play. Whereas if I had not gone in there, he probably would have played quietly by himself in the crib for a bit and then gone to sleep. So now he's upstairs, but fortunately, Daddy's home. So he's not interrupting the show. So there's my mommy win for the day. (laughs) And those are the sorts of things that we do at Mommy Mixer is uh, share these stories and get sympathy and advice and (laughs) things like that. Yeah, it's funny what you had said before about, I think the hardest thing about parenting that at least I didn't think about, it's the 
it's the emotional relationship part of it that's harder. You were saying it's 24-7, and it's you have this emotional piece that goes with it that is not really anything you could expect. And so you also sort of expect yourself to always be perfect and never be angry or upset or frustrated or any of those things. Um, and that just doesn't happen in any relationship. We get frustrated with everyone some of the time. Um, and so, like, the nap time. Uh, when we finally gave up naps for my oldest, we were having wars every day over it because I realized in the end I needed nap time more than I think she needed the nap time just for my own peace of mind. So we had to come up with a new a new system of her having quiet time instead of maybe not taking a nap so that we didn't have to uh, argue about it and have a lot of tension surrounding trying to rest. Like, that makes a lot of sense, right? <laughs> having a lot of tension... <laughs> around the whole concept of people trying to get some rest in the house. We gave that up, and it's been working a lot better. But kids seem to know when you need them to nap the most, and then they don't do it. <laughs> and that goes with everything. They seem to know when you need them to do something the most, and then it just doesn't quite work out the way that you had hoped all the time. Right. That feels like some grand scheme of the universe to try to teach us some important lesson but I keep hearing this this maniacal laughter in the background, like ha ha ha, <laughs> from the universe. <laughs> That's what it feels like sometimes. Isn't that the job of all relationships, though, to teach us something about ourselves that we need to work on? Parenting just takes it to the next level. <laughs> so nice to have all these opportunities for character development, isn't it? <laughs> So what what do you do when when the nap time goes away, and how do you keep your sanity? What's the what what did you learn would be a good way to handle that? Well, we uh, well there's two things that have happened in my house. First of all, we have sort of just a quiet, peaceful time. My youngest still takes a nap, so when it's time to put her down for a nap, everybody goes into a quiet mode. Um, it can be my oldest loves to do art. She'll do her own art projects. Um, while I'm putting her sister down, this is probably a giant no-no, but she does watch one show on her tablet um, to kind of transition into this quiet time. Um, and then I have a timer that I set for an hour. So for an hour, she's going to do her own thing quietly, and then I have an hour to do my own thing, whatever that may be. Hopefully, it's something that I would like to do. A lot of times it's something I need to do. But um, when, And that way she knows when the timer's up is when we can – if she needs things, you know, she can come ask me for questions. She can ask me to do something together. But for that hour, as long as everyone's okay, we're going to do our own separate things. And that seems to be working. Timers are wonderful. She totally responds to the timer. It's like it takes the whole thing off of me. It's not that I told her. It's that the timer told her, which really is like a magical thing. So get a timer if you're having issues with your toddler or your little preschooler. That sounds magical. But the first thought that popped into my head when you talked about the timer is, where do you keep the timer? And have you ever, like, sneak, snuck some more minutes on there just to get a little extra time? <laughs> I'll tell you what, that is a hard thing about the timer because it's sort of like the law, right? And so she knows it and I know it. Um, the good news is this timer, well, there's two things that are good news. My daughter can't actually tell time yet, so that's a positive. Um, the second positive is the timer doesn't say exactly how long it has. You set it, and then you set it for a five-minute warning, which is good for both of us. The five-minute warning is good 
for her because whenever I'm, I use it for a lot of things. Like, I need you to have your teeth brushed by the time this timer is over, or I need you to be get your shoes on, or whatever. Uh, we're going to leave when the timer's up, so she gives her a five-minute window, but it also gives me a five-minute window to know it's time for me to start wrapping up. Um, I do be, I am honest with her if I need to add more time to it. Then we just, I'll say, I'm going to add a little bit more time. Usually she takes it like she gets a little bit more time to do whatever it is that she's doing. Little does she know, it also gives me a little bit more time to finish up whatever it is that I'm doing. Well, I have to say, honesty is probably the best policy if you're teaching your kids integrity and you want them to trust you and all of that stuff. But I can totally see, oh, my God, it's almost going to go off and I need 30 more minutes. <laughs> I wonder if I can make that happen. So probably the honesty way is probably the better way to go. <laughs> yeah, I do think. And ultimately, like, I've tried to teach her along the way, too, like, I mean, sometimes plans have to be changed, right, to be a little bit flexible. Um, sometimes she needs a little bit more time for something. Sometimes I need a little bit more time. So I also try to be flexible with her. If at all possible, if she's in the middle of an art project and we're not, like, going somewhere, we don't have something to do, and the timer goes up, um, the five-minute window is to try to help her get ready for it to be over. But if she's not quite finished, I try to be flexible. And then I expect her to be flexible with me, which works out. I would say more times than not. Great. Um, okay, I feel like I've been worried about what happens when that nap time goes away. What age does that tend to happen? I know it, it's different for every person. Well, preschoolers actually still need a nap. So she really should still be taking a nap. She goes to school on Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and she gets a nap. She takes a nap for them at school. Mm -hmm. Um, a good nap, like I think it's about an hour and a half. So um, I probably could still make it happen at our house, but it seems like it's working fine this way. And I think the three days a week is giving her enough rest to power through. On the other days, I know over Christmas vacation, we were out for two weeks, and there was actually this miraculous day where she came to me and wanted to take a nap mm -hmm. because she was so worn out and tired. So really... All the way up until school age, they really still need a nap. But if your child is really willing to just do a quiet activity, then they're probably getting a little bit of rest during that quiet activity. I mean, just like us. I mean, sometimes if you just sit down and read a book or you sit down and watch a show or something, you get a little bit of rest. I think the same thing happens with kids. They just need a little bit of downtime. Um, so hopefully it will last a very long time for you. Gosh, I hope so. Man, this weekend was rough. <laughs> We did not get many nap times, <laughs> at least not when mommy needed the nap time to happen. <laughs> uh, I was interviewed earlier this week, or actually it was last Monday, and, uh, and then the episode was put out, published, I guess, uh, later later last week or early this week. Anyway, it was on uh, Rachel Ramback is a music therapist at listenlearn.com, and she has a brand-new podcast that she started called Guitars and Granola Bars, where she interviews music therapists that are also moms. And it's uh, mo primarily music therapists that are business owners and moms, but I think she's also expanding it to any music therapist and moms. And I think she's just choosing music therapists because she has access to them, and it's a kind of a niche um, population. But I think that the information would be appropriate for anybody, that whether you're a music therapist or not. If you're a working mom, 
the, that's essentially what it's about. Um, she has these nice pre-planned questions that she asks, um, and she edits. So I, I was her first episode guest, and uh, which I was so honored to be. But uh, I came off sounding a little bit more polished than I think I do on this show because I don't edit. It's just, it's just we just talk and we go, and then it records when I'm done. So. <laughs> Um, anyway, um, I had, didn't really have a good format for this show. Um, so I was kind of thinking that it would be nice to have a call in maybe, or somebody email and ask questions type of thing where we could talk or actually everything I do on this show is really for my own benefit. So even if nobody listens or calls in, I was just going to take the time to have another mom to share stories with, um, but I was wondering if you had any sort of vision or thoughts about where you thought the show could go, Amy. I really think what you said is good, like questions people have. I mean, another thing, I guess we could tackle some of the kind of big questions that people have. Uh, maybe, you know, like, well, for babies, a lot of people have questions about sleep. We talk a lot about eating, a toddler group. I mean, there's just like a lot of sort of hot topics, and we could touch on some of those um, in lieu of questions, that questions would be preferred, I think. That way we know that we're getting the information that you guys really want out there. Yeah, so um, if you do have a question, the show is going to – potentially going to be on Fridays. I mean, that's the the day that I have available. And the time I'm looking at for a regular time is 1 o'clock central for 30 minutes. And so during that time, you can call in to 646-652-2850 to ask your questions. Um, The show also podcasts, and you can download it on iTunes. So if you don't have time to call in, you can contact me at heartbeatmusictherapy.net or uh, Facebook or Twitter, and I'll ask your questions and we'll discuss them on the show and then you can listen to the recording. Um, I try to keep it really flexible because I try to do this show during my kids' nap time, and sometimes that varies. So it might the time might fluctuate a little bit, but I'm going to try to keep it fairly consistent. And if you... Um, you know, keep up with my social media or my blog at all, then the announcements will always be there. Um, But this isn't limited to parents of typically developing children. Um, I certainly do, and I'm, I'm pretty sure that Amy has experience with atypically developing children, people that might have a diagnosis of some kind, um, so if you have questions about any of that, that would be totally fine. Oh, I thought my computer was shutting down for a minute there, but we're good. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I've been – oh, one of the things I wanted to do today was uh, I shared a post recently on my blog about the toothbrushing song. And I didn't record the tune that I used because it's kind of a made-up little ditty. I just explained on the blog post how I created the song and the words that I used. And uh, I don't really have a good melody for it, but I'll share with you what we sing anyway. And you can, if you go to that blog post, you can see a nice picture of me and my kid brushing our teeth together. <laughs> it's a lovely moment. Um, 
but I just I started that because I just needed a routine. I wanted to to establish the habit, and I knew it wasn't going to be real successful for a while. But I'm hoping that by the time he's three, um, it's a it's this is what we do when we brush our teeth, and. So I just, uh, it started because he would follow me everywhere and I needed to brush my teeth and I needed him to stay right next to me while I did it and not wander off down the stairs. So I handed him his little baby toothbrush and I said, it's time to brush our teeth. And then he would sit by my feet and play with his toothbrush and I would brush my teeth and then I'd pick him up and put his toothbrush away. So I decided, ooh, I know that kids are not very good at brushing their teeth and parents usually have to check. And I also know that kids usually don't want their parents to check. It's usually a struggle. So if I establish it now when he's eight months old that this is what we do, then perhaps when he's three years old, it won't be such an ordeal. And so this is how that all started. So, um, and if you didn't start at eight months, um, it's not too late to start. I think you can still establish this routine and it might take a lot of perseverance and a lot of patience but um, I think with some persistence that you can you can do it. So I hand him his toothbrush, and I say, first you brush your bottom teeth, then you brush your top teeth, then you brush your tongue. And I always kind of put a little melody to everything eventually. So it's become, first you brush your bottom teeth, then you brush your top teeth, then you brush your tongue. And then I brush my teeth, and he watches me. And then I clean out my mouth like I normally do and rinse off my toothbrush. And he sticks his hands in the water. (laughs) And so uh, we kind of juggle that a little bit. But then I turn off the water and I say, okay, let me see how you did. Let me check. And I take the toothbrush and I sing, did you brush your bottom teeth? While I'm moving the brush around his mouth a little bit to try to get to his teeth. And then I sing, did you brush your top teeth? And I do the same thing. And then I say, and did you brush your tongue? And that's his favorite part. So he sticks his tongue out. So it's really easy to do that part. And then I say, oh, good work, baby. And now it's time to rinse off the toothbrush, dry off your mouth, hang up the towel, and then you get a kiss and a high five. <laughs> and so we do that every time. And uh, it's a neat little bonding moment for us. And it helps to establish that routine and his teeth aren't always brushed the way a dentist probably would want it to happen but um, it does establish that routine so there's my melody for those of you that were asking I love that blog and I love that song because it's so great like anything that you can do to make it a game and a routine helps to cut out that conflict that happens so that it just becomes part of what we do every day a song makes it kind of fun and then it doesn't have to be a struggle, and everyone gets their teeth brushed. Yes, and so I am a music therapist, and so singing happens pretty much all the time for me. But what I have found, well, first of all, I have this strong belief that music is a biological imperative, and music making is a biological imperative, and so it's it's important for all of us to be making music in some fashion every day as often as we can. So I strongly encourage you to do that, even if you don't believe that you are musical. We are musical beings, and um, I think it's important for us to do it. Plus, the quality of your voice does not matter to your children. I mean, it might by the time they're like 
seven, but right now it doesn't. <laughs> so um, my sister is also a professional musician and an excellent singer, and her three kids are in their teenage and preteen and, and uh, elementary school years. And since they were all five, they would say, Mommy, don't sing. So she is a professional singer, and her kids still don't want her to sing. So don't think that if you're not a professional singer that you can't sing to your kids because it's all going to happen the same way anyway. <laughs> but... um I have found that when I sing instructions or lullabies or expressions of frustration, uh, it helps me more than it helps him. So I sing, well, when he was a a newborn and I was having difficulty figuring out how newborns work on such little sleep, uh, I found myself screaming at him saying, just tell me what you want, even though I knew. He's an infant and can't tell me what he wants, and it's my job to be the adult <laughs> and figure this out. It was still hard. So then I started singing to him. I would just kind of rock in the chair and just hum a rhythm that matched the rocking, and then that hum became some words to that melody. And right at this moment, I can't remember the lullaby that I used, but that it was more of a lullaby that said, I need you to go to sleep now not soothe yourself baby and mommy loves you it was <laughs> you need to sleep and mommy will calm down <laughs> sort of a song and so when i am uh, singing uh you know about whatever it is we need to do so i made up one about chewing because uh he had trouble eating and would often spit the food out or choke on it or shove everything into his mouth and then it was too much and then he spit it out and it was just gross. So I just started singing chew, chew, chew and swallow, chew, chew, chew and swallow, chew, chew, chew and swallow, then you can have some more. And uh, that worked to help keep me calm. It was different for him, so it held his attention so that he'd stop grabbing for the food and uh like now i don't know we've been using it since 6 months old probably and now he's 17 months old and now most of the time he doesn't spit the food out and he doesn't shove it all into his mouth anymore and i can chew with my mouth closed and still hum that tune and he will point to his mouth and do the chewing motion so it helped calm me down because i was singing instead of yelling at my kid and that was the point of it at first. And now it's become an instructional thing. I think music can totally change the mood. I know in our house, if the everyone's getting grouchy and I'm getting grouchy, a lot of times we'll just turn on the music and have a dance party just because that lifts the mood, everyone feels better, and we can move forward without everyone being grouchy and you know, bickering and fighting and arguing and that sort of a thing. So it really does make a difference. It also makes me think about Mary Poppins. When they clean the room, just a spoonful of sugar helps the medicine go down. We sing that sometimes at our house. (laughs) (laughs) When it's time to do things that are unpleasant but need to get done, like chores, cleaning up, all that stuff. You um, shared on Wednesday your patience song. What was that one? Oh, um, it's a little song I think I... I either learned it as a kid or when I used to work in preschool. 
but um, it just goes, have patience, have patience, don't be in such a hurry. When you get impatient, you only start to worry. Remember, remember that God has patience too. And think of all the times that others had to wait for you. Oh, that's such a good song. <laughs> I'm going to write that down. <laughs> and as you can hear, you don't have to have a perfect singing voice to sing with your kids. So just do it anyway, and they don't care. Your kids think. I always tell parents that for your child, especially when they're little, your voice is the best voice they've ever heard. So in their mind, like if you can imagine the perfect person that you love to listen to, when you sing to them, it's like, you're serenading your child, and you're the person they want to hear the most from. So it's really a great thing, and they're not going to judge your voice until they're older. Right, right. And that's actually there's that's actually a neurological thing, and there's been some research done about that. Um, but but babies, you know, can hear your voice, and they hear your voice the most when they're in your womb for the the nine months or, or whenever their hearing develops until they're born. And so your voice is the one that they prefer as an infant. And then second preferred would be dads if they're around, but a lot while you're pregnant and talking. And then third preference would be another female's voice. But the mother's voice is the most preferred and is what they prefer to use in the neonatal intensive care unit when the mom's not around a lot of music therapists that work in those units will record mothers singing or talking, and that is what helps stabilize the baby's heart rate and breathing when the mother can't be present. So it is really important. And we're about out of time today, so thank you very much, Amy, for joining me for this show. I hope that you have all found it very valuable and will call in or email some questions to me so that we can talk about what you are interested in next month. Otherwise, we'll just keep talking about what I'm interested in. All right. Anything else you want to say? No, thanks for having me. This was fun. So we'll uh, schedule a date for February. We haven't picked that yet, but we will do that. And uh, I'll let you all know where it is. You can find me on Facebook and Twitter at Janice Lindstrom and on the web at heartbeatmusictherapy.net. I will talk to you again next month. Have a lovely weekend. Bye. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.